American Road Trip Talk begins after this message. Show us your Kodak catch and win big by entering the American Road Photo Contest. From scenic byways to famous highways, we want to see your favorite vacation pictures. Show us kites flying high at Kite Fest Louisiana. Breathtaking views at Port Washington, Wisconsin. A big catfish in Santee Cooper, South Carolina. The world's largest Van Gogh painting in Goodland, Kansas. The Idaho Potato Museum. Or Florida's Wiki Watchy Mermaids. Enter today at amroad.net slash photo contest. Again, that's amroad.net slash photo contest. And a special thanks to our sponsors, Santee Cooper Country, South Carolina, High Country, Idaho, West Baton Rouge Convention and Visitors Bureau, and Visit Port Washington. Good luck and thank you for entering. The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you along for the ride. And of course, same goes for Nathan Miller. He's our producer. He'll ride shotgun and make sure we stay in our lane. Today, we're traveling to North Florida. It's a funny thing because when I got the idea for this week's episode, Florida, two-lane highway fun. Yes, absolutely. Then I took a look at the map and I go, wow, I live in a very large state, comparatively speaking. I'm going to have to chunk this down. Maybe we'll have several episodes to get to it all. But we'll start today with our friend Jamie Jensen. He is the author of Road Trip USA, now in its 25th anniversary edition, Chuck full of very, very useful information to any road trip warrior. I'll just leave it at that. We're talking about cross-country adventures on America's two-lane highways. And today, as I say, Florida is the state we will be visiting. This is American Road Trip Talk. Lots to hear about. Lots of plans to be made, if only for now, in your imagination when we come back right after this. There's room to roam around the scenic byways in Southeast Idaho's high country. And it's a great time to get away and decompress. Did you know Southeast Idaho is hot springs country? Come and relax in natural mineral water hot pools. Then visit one of their quirky museums like the Idaho Potato Museum, the Museum of Clean, or the Butch Cassidy Museum. Go to IdahoHighCountry.org to plan your trip. You're sure to find your favorite way to disconnect when you visit Idaho. Adventure, history, and beauty all await you on the Natchez Parkway, a national scenic byway and national park. This 444-mile drive takes you through some of the country's most stunning landscapes while also allowing you access to exciting communities along the way. From Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee, we invite you to explore the trace and discover America. Plan your trip at ScenicTrace.com. That's ScenicTrace.com. Giving local voices a chance to shine. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. And an opportunity to hear once again from our friend Jamie Jensen, author of Road Trip USA. Incredible volume with all kinds of wonderful road trip planning information for you. Jamie Jensen, welcome, sir. Glad to have you back with us. 
So good to be back with you. You amaze me, Jamie, because you grew up along Route 66 in Southern California, and I am fully confident that if I bring up an area like North Florida, you've been there, you've done that, and you can give great advice to those who might be planning their road trip dream of 2022. Well, I'll do my very best. And Florida and California have a lot in common with their mutual love of uh, fast things and car culture and all kinds of ways to have a good time. And in Florida, particularly, you've got your roadside attractions. (laughs) Oh, and they are bigger and better than just about anywhere else. The number of giant lobsters and gator land, you know, alligator jaws waiting to eat you up is just kind of amazing and so much fun. You know, Jamie, there's so much to see in Florida. I mean, the state is legendary for all its attractions. And having a flat topography throughout the state can be beguiling because you might be taking the interstate, then you find yourself on a picturesque, taking the scenic route and you get on this or that two-lane highway. The topography is roughly the same. And yet, what you visit, what you, your destinations, in other words, you get to those and all of a sudden you're in a world removed in so many ways in Florida, because as I've said to people who've never been here, Miami is not Tampa, is not Orlando, is not Jacksonville. This is a state of mind, but it has many faces. Yeah. Well, and like you say, it's a nice big place, but it has such a range of you know cultures for sure and the, the thing that people are often surprised by i know i was is how deep the history is even though it seems like a quote unquote superficial shiny beautiful people sort of place it also has a lot of depth of experience it has you know things that were there when ponce de leon was cruising around looking for the fountain of youth and i think that's also a beguiling kind of intriguing theme to as you're traveling around to keep in mind the depths of it as well as the surface pleasures Found of youth. Did he ever find it, by the way? Well, he claims to, yes. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> but of course, he wanted money to come back and do the trip over again. So they always <laughs> kind of make it sound like a great thing. Oh, let's talk in terms of North Florida, because I can see right off the bat that we're going to be having you back for multiple explorations of Florida, which is all to the good, Jamie. So when we look at North Florida, okay, I have either landed or driven to Jacksonville, been there, done that. They have Jacksonville Beach. They have a very vibrant downtown, lots of stuff going on there. But maybe I am ready to pace down after two or three days. And I want to hit those like Florida's A1A, the various two-lane highways, of which there are a few prominent ones that will get me to places that are hard to find otherwise. You get to be an explorer on the road. Well, A1A is, is for me, it's the road of choice. It's the one I cover most in detail um, in this book. And I take it from top to tail from starting up near Jacksonville, where, of course, if you do want to get away from Jacksonville for a while, you can find the official Fountain of Youth. It's just down the road on the way to St. Augustine. And it's a kind of interesting. It's a natural park with a spring. And a lot of you get an access to that limestone topography and the, the caves that can underlie so much of Florida, but it is got some historical credibility as the actual fountain of youth that the uh, you know 16th century explorers would have come across and thought, gosh, everybody who drinks from this water looks so young and healthy. It must be this eternal magic. If only. Great idea, at least on the drawing board. Okay, so let's let's get busy in St. Augustine. 
I have heard it said in how many cities throughout North America might make the same claim, but in St. Augustine, they will tell you when you take one of about two dozen tours available, ghost tours, a lot of them, in fact, maybe all of them at night, and you can go by car, you can get on a bus, you can walk it. St. Augustine lays claim to being the most haunted city in America. Most haunted? Yes. Wow. I've always I've heard them claim to be the oldest, which I think would encourage a lot of contact with spirits and things. But um, the, yeah, the haunted. I, New Orleans is the place for me for those haunted tours because they have all the voodoo connections. But in any way, I think it's an interesting way to get people interested in, in the real history of a place, isn't it? Because they're often haunted by something that happened in St. Augustine. One thing it has is history, because I think it was the first city in Florida to really get developed with those absolutely fantastic. I am a huge fan of those kind of luxury hotels, you know, the destination resorts of the old school where you have these grand lobbies. And in St. Augustine, they're just fantastic. A couple of them have been turned into university campuses that were, you know, Flagler College, I think, was a, a hotel way back when. Um, and I'm sure it's got all kind of haunted stories. You kind of caught me there because that's not my um, exact uh, experience and expertise, but I know the history behind a lot of the ghost stories for sure. And if you spend so much as a weekend in St. Augustine, you will be well-educated in ghostly lore (laughs) as I became, (laughs) it is really something. St. Augustine with all of that history, I mean, it's on the water and there is the military character of that, which needed to be protected for centuries And St. Augustine has that to offer. And one of the ways you did it, just as one example, Jamie, you keep your eyes toward the sea. And in doing so, best place to do that from, some would say, is the St. Augustine Lighthouse. I have climbed to the top of it. And they say the average time is about 15 minutes. I made it in 13 minutes and I was huffing and puffing for a half hour after I got back down. But it was well worth it. The view is gorgeous. This is the kind of thing you find in St. Augustine, and it's inextricably woven into the history of the place. Yeah, well, I'd love a lighthouse. I mean, that's one of my, those are always things I look for. So I'm being kudos to you. That's a good climb to get to. And they're quite tight, the stairwells often to climb up through those things. Aren't they? Very get, true. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very true. But And absolutely what great photo ops there as well. There is excellent dining. You know, the thing is about a place like St. Augustine, this may be true in this in this region, if you get off the beaten path a bit, which is why we like to, like to talk to a guy like Jamie Jensen. If you're one of those people who goes, eh, you know, I've eaten at such and such chain restaurant. I want to find out what the local cuisine is like. North Florida has plenty of that. Oh, yeah. And they, they often they look pretty casual and they often are pretty casual. It's not always inexpensive. But if you want to get, you know, what is it? King crab is always the thing that I associate with Florida and those sorts of you know seafood, obviously. But the, the thing when you're talking about being on the water, the fresh fish that people catch, you know, getting to be friendly with the sports fishermen or to know where they catch and where they eat their, you know, grilled fish, whatever, the, the, and sitting out on the water, watching the sunset or, you know, it's, it's, it is a way to just feel at peace with the world. And again, that view that you were talking about, because it's relatively flat, you can see for miles and you can see the huge storm clouds, you know, in the distance, whatever, oh, yes. is passing you by. And that that's kind of adds a bit of magic to the being in these places because you realize how changeable things are. But eating is the greatest reason for me to take a road trip. So we could talk for quite a while about great food on the road. No doubt about that. I don't want to get off St. Augustine 
because we have other places to visit. Yes, but I don't want to leave St. Augustine without giving you an opportunity, Jamie, to talk about your experience and what you learned when you went to the alligator farm. Ooh, well, I thought I was going to go on the... um to parallel your lighthouse, that um, Castillo de San Marcos, that old fort along the water is the place that I wanted to kind of second that as a place to get a sense of history. But Alligator Farm is a blast. It's one of the first of those great old attractions along, you know, that open in Florida. They, people used to go to Florida, like from New York during the winter, and they would drink orange juice and watch chickens get fed to alligators and have a good old time. And a couple of them still survive. And I think the granddaddy of them all is Alligator Farm, just outside St. Augustine, just off the coast. Um, fantastic place. And it's got, what, many hundreds of thousands, if not thousands of alligators of all kinds. And, you know, you can look at them, admire them as animals. You can watch them be fed, which is pretty terrifying if you think you have any fear of being eaten alive. But it's um, it's fun. And they have huge ones. They have one, I remember it was their largest one that passed away and they taxidermied it. It's called Gomek. It's um, 16 feet long, head to tail. It's an Australian crocodile, so I, which I, the, the botanists or biologists among us will get upset with my mixing up the different species here. But um, alligators um, are huge and crocodiles are just as big. And they have all of these sorts of animals that in different ponds and you can do a kind of science tour. You can just watch the crazy prehistoric nature of these animals because they are kind of like throwbacks to an earlier time. And they're ginormous. With lots yes. of teeth. <laughs> Gomek is stuffed today. There are T-shirts they sell saying Gomek forever. Gomek was replaced. We're talking about an Australian saltwater crocodile, the kind that just likes to eat about anything. And they are vast. It's unbelievable when you see them in the tank and you're just separated by so many inches of glass and they're looking right at you. Gomek was replaced by Maximo. And you mentioned that in your book. So when you go there, you can see all the alligators you could ever want to see in one place. You can see an Australian saltwater croc. You can see a cobra. They've got quite the menagerie going there. This long cobra, I just gently, and I mean gently, tapped on the glass in that enclosure, and the, the cobra didn't strike or anything like that. But you saw its tail come up behind it and it raised its head like, who's in my neighborhood? That was a pretty amazing thing itself. Plenty of photo opportunities there as well. And they have this, this presentation where they will show you how the alligators interact. They, they train them to the extent that you can. And believe me, you do not want to lean any part of yourself over the fence to get a better look because they will tell you to step back for your own safety. Yeah, which which makes it even more exciting, doesn't it? And there are alligators all over Florida. I've been you know walking in parks and they have sometimes they'll have like a um, ranger, park ranger saying, uh, stay away from this part or stay on the path because there's alligators in the part of this part of the causeway. And they're a common sight, um, I think, in certain places, certainly on golf courses. You're often getting pictures of alligators attacking golfers who are all ready to take their, their driving shot or whatever. But you know, Florida has those kind of aspects. The other things, um, the bird life in Florida that I think I remember seeing at Alligator Farm. I really like um, tropical birds and all the colorfulness of them. And I remember some red-knobbed hornbills, whatever. These just like toucan, great huge, yes. like Fruit Loops kind of birds. <laughs> there, and it just it does feel like such another world, especially in the time of year when a lot of America is still under a foot of snow. Well, that's absolutely true. It accounts for a lot of our economic progress year in and year out. 
Now I live in Sarasota and yes, you can get on a golf course and the alligators show up, some of them big and fat, and you just tell them you're playing through. But we are talking about North Florida today. And Jamie, I'm curious to know what you thought, what were your feelings as you drove around Amelia Island, which is home. I think it's the biggest town of any size there. Fernandina Beach. What an extraordinary place. I've been there. I spent a night there. Amelia Island is definitely a big attraction. Yes. And it's more of the kind of natural Florida, I think, than some of the places you see. And it's just off the Georgia border. Um, the, the Parallel Island is a natural is a national park, the Cumberland Island National Park, which I think is technically in Georgia, but it's very much in keeping with the spirit of Florida. And it was a, a private island, you know, like so many of these places way back when. But Fernandina Beach was one of the, I think it's where the railroad first ended. So there's lots of Victorian buildings and there's a wonderful old hotel called the Florida House that has a fantastic bar. And I'm not going to encourage anyone to drink and drive, but a big attra- part of the attraction of Florida is the... Uh, the, the evening refreshments, shall we say, after a long, hot day. And, and Certainly. it has one of the most fun and best live music as a kind of place to hang out. And it just feels like a real place um, for Nandina Beach. And I, I've really liked every time I've been through there. It just seems like a real magical place to stay. It's a pristine beach, well-groomed and not crowded. That's the thing. You know, the town itself has just under 13,000 full-time residents. So when you go to Fernandina Beach, you are getting away from it all, but you're there in the elements and you want to bring along your sunscreen. You'll have a great time. And afterward, you can go party. Yeah, well, it's a great example of what it, the advantages, you know, in Road Trip USA, the sort of places I try to cover are the ones that are that have that character that are a little bit off the beaten track. And so Amelia Island is like, what, 20 miles off the interstate. But that protects it from a lot of the fast food and all the kind of drive-through culture that is the same all over America. And it's it's a real great introduction to Florida. If you're coming down I-95, um, you get to Jacksonville, and Jacksonville is huge, right? I think it's officially the biggest city in America. It covers more land area than anywhere else. And it feels to me like Los Angeles, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. But then you, you know, head east for a change and you hit the ocean and there's Amelia Island, there's Fernandina beach. And it's such a throwback. It feels like you're going back in time, 50 years, a hundred years, and it's peaceful and there's state parks and you, you know, you can cycle and campgrounds and it's, it's just a nice relaxed mode after, you know, if you've driven there for, you know, all day to get there, like some people do to escape the Northeast or whatever. (laughs) Yes, that is true. But what if you're a race car fan? Why not too far away? You can go to Daytona beach. Oh, yeah, that was my first because I was big into car culture. And there's both, the, you know, all the a lot of the early development, there is standard oil money, you know, Rockefeller shows up everywhere. Flagler was his lieutenant. But the great celebration of car culture was Daytona Beach, where they used to actually race on the beach. That was the they set the world land speed records. If you've ever followed those way back when, I think the first car to break 100 miles an hour with internal combustion was at Daytona Beach on the sands, just racing along there. And it's since evolved into, of course, the greatest NASCAR event, as well as one of the biggest spring break destinations. And there's a, a bike week as well, where people come in with the motorcyclists come from all over the country. And then February, I think, is the time when most of these good things happen. So you're safe now if you want to go down there and not have to deal with hordes of bikers and, and all the spring break college kids. But Daytona Beach is, I, you know, it's a very different place from where we were talking about Fernandina beach, even though it's only what 50 miles away, a hundred miles right. away. 
you know, you get this, these transitions from town to town, like you were saying. And the place I wanted to mention that's in between the two, um, south of St. Augustine and north of Daytona, was um, Marineland. Hmm. which as a kid was always kind of the magic of, you know, flipper and, you know, I'm age telling my age here somehow, but that idea of um, Florida as the destination where you can get close to nature somehow and see dolphins and maybe see a gator. But, you know, that was still going strong when I first was in, you know, road tripping down through Florida in the eighties and nineties. I think it's now become some kind of study center for, because, um, you know, people don't like zoos as much as we used to, but that was such a fantastic place. And it was in that kind of mid-century modern style as well. So it had that kind of 60s ethos down there. But um, Daytona Beach, I mean, do you have a favorite thing to do in Daytona? Have you ever done the NASCAR? Because that's like a crazy, crazy day. Oh, well, the long and the short of it, Jamie, is that I, I did, I didn't go to the NASCAR race itself there, but I did go to St. Augustine and then we tooled over to Daytona Beach quite inadvertently on the weekend of the race. So oh. I was glad that we had some shelter in St. Augustine because that was just a side trip. And oh, lordy, the crowds, they love them some NASCAR in that part of the world. That's for darn sure. And it's a glamorous thing. If you're not into auto racing, you might have a different point of view, but that is their Super Bowl. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, no, definitely. And people plan their years around, you know, showing up there for um, both for the, I think they have a race, they have a week of motorcycle racing, and then they have the build up to the Daytona NASCAR race. And like you say, it's, you know, 200,000 people, I think, turn up on race day to watch this and many more camping out inside. But the rest of the year, the thing I went to Daytona for was uh, minor league baseball. Because, oh. um, you know, I, I used to do that. Uh, I, I, I'm a baseball fan and I kind of like the scale of spring training and they have um, some spring training down there. But a lot of the major league spring training sites are also home to summer league uh, minor league teams. And Daytona has a fantastic um, history and present day stadium. But it's where Jackie Robinson first played for the Dodgers was in Daytona Beach. So if you ever want to kind of uh, score some points on a trivia quiz. That was where the color line was officially broken in, in professional baseball was in down in Daytona during some summer uh, spring training, I think um, 1946. So going back a few years here, but it, the, the stadium there is now named for him. And it's um, one of those. Um, I can't remember who the, the team is because they kept changing everything, but they kick off in a week. You know, April is when spring training turns into minor league baseball season. So even if you missed bike week in Daytona NASCAR, you still got time to catch a minor league game. And they've got a really funky amusement park. I don't know if you got to the um, the actual beachfront amusement park there. I did not. It's fantastic. It's like, you know, some of the old um Atlantic City amusement parks. It had that, and it's still going strong. They've got those sky buckets where you get a really good view of the whole area. And sure. It's, it's, it's a nice throwback to kind of old school, you know, pedestrian. I like it when people are out on foot instead of in cars. That's one thing I have a hard time with the motorbikes because they're always racing around and revving their engines. But when people are walking on foot, you seem to have more you know, time. You get to meet people from all over the country who come to Daytona for some sunshine. Come for the sunshine and stay for just about every kind of experience you could possibly want to have. For example, I want to make sure we got this in before we have to close. The Kennedy Space Center, Cape Canaveral, Titusville, Cocoa Beach, that is all within one relative vicinity. You could make a whole trip out of that. 
Oh, yeah. And I did. I mean, that was what my my family growing up, my dad was in that whole industry. So we used to tune in to all the space launches from Kennedy and it's back in use again at times. I mean, it's and that's, a, you know, I dream of genie sort of culture. If, yeah. if you yes. want the TV reference, but it's still there. Cocoa Beach is there and people surf and hang out. And no, I, 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 you're making me want to hit the road and get on down to Florida. And, you know, you'd be welcome anytime. If you plan to do that, let me know. I'd love to meet you in person. That's for sure, Jamie. When it comes to Florida, it really is a matter of which region you choose to visit because they've got something for everybody, particularly if you're fine with being in the flattest state in the union and yet having endless entertainment options from the elegant to the quirky, the weird, the bizarre. And in North Florida, they definitely have their share of that. Yeah, and they're proud of it too. I think it's a it's a much more kind of open culture than some parts of the country somehow. And of course, the the, the thing we're not mentioning in all this is just inland from the Kennedy Space Center is that great beast of Disney World in Orlando, which is a whole nother world. But it has been a destination forever, and and there's some great old um, roadside attractions in and around Orlando. So yeah, we could probably spend all week talking about the great things to do in Florida. Oh, no question about it. I think what I'd like to do with you, Jamie, is to just take it by sections. For example, you mentioned Orlando. Just incredible. That's a whole lifetime unto itself. If you're there for a week, you feel like you spent a lifetime there. Fantastic place to visit. People who live in Florida see that as more central Florida, but that's how we chunk it down. You know, go inland to Orlando, go head toward Jacksonville. You've got all that to see, such as we have described, and there's plenty more. And then, of course, you can make your way down to Miami. And if you're particularly iconoclastic, you could also go to Key West, which we have featured on this program before a couple of times. What I'd like to do, Jamie, is to pick through your book. There's so much in there, and I want to mention it again. Road Trip USA, 25th Anniversary Edition, Cross-Country Adventures on America's Two-Lane Highways. The photography alone is worth the modest price of this book. You could be charging twice as much and it would be ever valuable. And the fact that you have a 25th Anniversary Edition means that you like to keep people updated as well. That is a public service, my friend. Oh, well, thank you. I've been edited for like 40 years, to be honest. And wow. this is all my best places. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Scary. But I'm going to hit 60 this year. So I think I, do, I, I owe myself a big old celebratory road trip just for making it over. That It's like the big moment on the odometer. If you hit over 100,000 miles or 60 years, I think you owe, owe yourself a trip to Key West on the overseas highway. Is that something you guys have talked about? Because that's one of my favorite drives. We have talked about it. There are so many options. While we have just about a minute, what do they mean when they talk about the old Dixie Highway? Is that Florida's Route 66? What is the significance? Yeah, the, the Dixie Highway was, I think, the parallel to the Lincoln Highway. You know, you could do it, the politics all over, but it went north-south. So it went from um, Michigan down to Florida and the south. And there, it's a very complicated history. But the other great road that comes out of Florida is the Old Spanish Trail, which was St. Augustine all the way west to San Diego. So there, Florida's got some roadside history for sure. Jamie Jensen, thank you, sir, for joining us. The time always flies, and I look forward not only meeting you in person sometime, but to your next visit on American Road Trip Talk. You have so much to offer. Thank you, sir. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. 